Welcome to the first Friday show of 2020, another big election year. There'll be lots to talk about with so many interesting people, including you. I hope you will subscribe to the podcast and enjoy the conversation. This week's show is called A Case for Susan Collins. There are people who live in a silo and believe Susan Collins' vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court will be the cause of her demise after a stellar career. They think, too, her vote to support the 2017 Republican tax cut package that included the elimination of the individual mandate in Obamacare was her death knell. These people relish the broken promise made by Mitch McConnell to Susan Collins that he would pass her Obamacare fix bills in exchange for her vote on the tax package that handed America's corporate behemoths and the gilded upper crust more gobs of money. They enjoyed her embarrassment. The German word is schadenfreude. Partisans see the race for U.S. Senate between Susan Collins and Sarah Gideon or any other Democratic nominee as a choice between good and evil, Trump and Obama. They see the race as a choice between Harmonia, the immortal goddess of harmony in Greek mythology, and Eris, the goddess of strife and discord. To these friends, in your bubbles, here is another point of view. To begin, I would first note that I live in a coastal suburb and work in Portland, Maine's largest city. I spend a lot of time around professional, educated women. And so the first point is that there's a feminist case to be made for supporting Susan Collins. It goes something like this. What will change the world is having powerful women in high places, and that women need to support more competent women in powerful places. Susan Collins is the 12th most senior senator of the world's most powerful political body. She has real power, and she performs her job competently. Regarding her vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh, first of all, I would note that the jury's still out on whether or not he will be the fifth vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. It could very well be that he is the author of an opinion that upholds Roe versus Wade and, in fact, strengthens the holding that provides a woman's constitutional right to privacy. So the fear-mongering by the left about what he will do, I think, was overplayed. Second, It was impressive that Senator Collins weighed the evidence as carefully as she did and laid out the case for her role to advise and consent. She not only met with Brett Kavanaugh for several hours, but spent many hours with lawyers poring over his decisions, as well as um, reviewing the um, uh, documents submitted by the American Bar Association and colleagues who had worked with him. I think whether you agree ultimately with her decision, she did weigh the evidence and uh, made the case that while Christine Blasey Ford's testimony was certainly moving and um, compelling, that because there was no corroboration whatsoever, not a single witness corroborated what happened, that juxtaposed with Brett Kavanaugh's service on the D.C. Court of Appeals without incident and his confirmation to that court on an almost unanimous basis from parties across the aisle um, made the case for her easy to confirm him. Um, He was clearly qualified as a judge, and the allegations against him, in her view, didn't rise to the level of the burden 
of proof. And like I said, whether you agree with her or not, there are many people I speak with feel that she did um, an admirable job in a difficult circumstance and made um, a hard decision but supported her decision and they respect her for that. What's important to me is that no one who has worked with or under Brad Kavanaugh since the incident that was described by Christine Blasey Ford has come forward to suggest that he in any way has demeaned or discriminated against women. And so the feminist case can be made that through his support and encouragement of women who supported him in the nomination process, and hopefully through his decision-making process as United States Supreme Court Justice, that the feminist cause of opportunity, not just equal opportunity, will be served. That's hard for a lot of people to hear. There's a lot of people who associate a vote to support Brett Kavanaugh as somehow a vote against women or against Christine Blasey Ford. And what they don't realize is that that's not necessarily what they're deciding. What they're deciding is simply that given the overall evidence, in weighing the evidence, there was just more evidence on the side of Brett Kavanaugh's competence and ability to be, to be a Supreme Court justice than there was against him. And I think a lot of people recognize the fear-mongering that was going on during the confirmation process, uh, and that's alarming. The second, I think, important reason many women are going to support Susan Collins, and many men for that reason, is that not only is she does she have power, but she uses the power to benefit generally the good of society. I personally abide by a rule that judges people on how they use their power, and I don't think anyone can necessarily make a claim that Susan Collins abuses the power that she has. Um, and I think that that's, um, that's a quality that is is um, challenging, I think, to maintain over the course of years because people, obviously, we all know that, um, you know, power corrupts. There's also kind of a lazy dichotomy that's used by partisans somehow suggesting that Democrats are not as sexist as Republicans. And I don't think there's necessarily any evidence of that. And in fact, my own experience, I have been discriminated against or... <laughs> um, been the subject of unequal treatment as often by Democrats as by Republicans. And I'll just give one example. Um, when I was serving in the House of Representatives, groups of us would socialize after session in Hollowell at a local watering hole and play trivia. And one night in particular, I recall being the only woman in a group of friendly Democratic legislators who were drinking heavily and began discussing um, Amy Volk, who was going to run at that time. She was just getting in the race to challenge the Democratic candidate, the incumbent. And um, within, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, there was this chant of these men at a table, really loud, um, tits and teeth, tits and teeth. And this is... Um, elected Democrats who were serving in various leadership roles. So um, the notion that somehow um, Democrats <laughs> are necessarily the feminist choice, I think, is um, not borne out by most women's day-to-day -day experience. So if there are women in powerful places, regardless of their partisan association, it's we support them. So not only is Susan Collins very powerful and 
she doesn't abuse her power. I think for many people who are judging the quality of a candidate and judging Senator Collins, it's really a values thing. People just aren't programmed to see and process everything in a partisan manner. Not everything is Democrat or Republican, blue, red. A lot of people view and value and judge on the basis of their values. And I think Senator Collins has values that a lot of people can really relate to. First of all, her work ethic is something that I am very impressed in, and the women I speak with and the men I speak with are impressed by her work ethic. She shows up. She does the job. She hasn't missed a vote. She's at the committee hearings prepared. She's done her homework. She's never, uh, you never um, are going to get a real um, crazy, crazy, empty response from Senator Collins. Her work ethic is really important as well as her demeanor. I think she represents well. She leads by example on how to be uh, courteous and polite and at the same time uh, professional and strong. I frankly don't understand why so many people are wasting so much energy trying to remove someone like Susan Collins from the United States Senate. Of all the people in American politics, Susan Collins is not the problem. And a lot of people realize that. They're just not willing, they're not going to jump in and make a statement because they don't want to be the object of left-wing social media trolls and rage and political correctness. But I think a lot of people just don't see Susan Collins as, as someone who needs to be removed from the political process to improve it. I think we need more people like Susan Collins who do their job every day, regardless of who's elected, whether it's Sarah Gideon or Betsy Sweet or Susan Collins, no one in the United States Senate is going to vote exactly how you want them to on a day-to-day basis. And the bottom line for a lot of the people I speak with on a day-to-day basis is that when they go into the polls for the United States Senate race, it's essentially casting a vote for who is the most qualified person for the job. And without a doubt, I think you can't make the case that Senator Collins doesn't have more experience and qualifications to serve. And that's not to say that Sarah Gideon wouldn't do a great job or Betsy Sweet. In fact, I think the case could be made that term limits should be eliminated in Maine because Sarah Gideon could do so much good continuing on in her role as the Speaker of the Maine House of Representatives. She has now the experience in that role. She's the most competent person to lead the state in that regard, and how exciting would it be for her and Janet Mills to have another opportunity to work together to complete some of the important work at the state level that needs to be done. So my uh, speech here and podcast in making the case for Senator Collins, the case that I hear from a lot of people I talk to on a day-to-day basis, is not necessarily against Sarah Gideon. I think she's an excellent politician and candidate, and I admire her very much. The question just is, who's better qualified for the job in the United States Senate? And a lot of people are going to vote for Senator Collins, in my view. So who knows? I could be wrong. It could be the year that uh, Susan Collins is removed from office. I mean, look, Angus King worked very hard to remove Margaret Chase Smith, (laughs) and they were successful. So um, it it could very well be that Susan Collins is out. I know she's her approval rating has really um, taken a downturn, but um, 
I believe when people really start paying attention, uh, right now you there's very few people who are really focused on the races at hand. There, there are polls, and the polls show that Senator Collins' approval rating is low and that the race is a toss-up, according to Cook Political Report, and various other indications suggest that um, she's in jeopardy. So, And, and I could be wrong, but I um, believe that when push comes to shove and people really focus on the race and focus on the on the records of the candidates, that um, there's going to be plenty of Republican and Democratic um, women, especially educated professional women who live in the suburbs, who are going to support Susan Collins. And I hope that doesn't come as a big, big shock to people on the left who are living in their silo. Of course, an impeachment vote will certainly... Um, bring to bear uh, all of the things we just talked about and could be the litmus test for many people. But if I was to make another prediction, that prediction is that uh, consistent with Susan Collins' vote to acquit Bill Clinton, I believe that she probably would uh, vote to remove Donald Trump. Well, that's it for today. Would love to hear what you think. Please go to the website, dillesquire.com, and link onto my podcast page and leave a comment or or follow me on Twitter, at Dill Esquire. Talk to you soon.